I pray this morning that you will work in this place, that you will work in the kids' barn. Father, I pray for the teachers over there, that you will speak through them, that these kids will come to know you in a deeper way this morning, and to celebrate and find refuge in you where true refuge is found. And so, Father, I pray for the same here this morning. I pray that you'll speak to us. I pray that you'll give us a boldness, a conviction, and encouragement where we need it, Father. And I pray that you will just work in this church today and through this week. Father, we love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Kids, y'all are dismissed to Kids Barn. And hey, while they're doing that, shake a hand, give a high five, say hello to people around you. Well, how are we doing this morning? Good, good. Happy to be with you on this last Sunday in August. Everything turns to pumpkin here in a few days. So, of course, some of you may have been celebrating fall already, all month, maybe. And I can't talk about that. I've already got Christmas carols playing in my head. So, uh, maybe I need to talk to somebody about that. But, hey, uh, we are in the final week of our series called New Routines, where we've been trying to answer the question, what is the lifestyle of a disciple of Jesus? In the first week, we talked about really the first step in our journey is to trail or to follow after Jesus. We talked about how Jesus is called rabbi more than any other name in the New Testament. And to follow a rabbi at that time, you had to be the best of the best. You had to go before a rabbi and say, look, here are my qualifications, here's my resume, please let me follow you. And they would say, yes, you can follow me, or no, you may not follow me. But Jesus actually goes and seeks out his own disciples, and they didn't have to be the best of the best. In fact, some of them, the culture would say, was the worst of the worst. And Jesus says, no, that one, I'd like that one to follow me. So the greatest teacher of all time, the rabbi of rabbis, God in the flesh says, hey, you, follow me. And so this is an incredible invitation for us to just be able to follow after Jesus. So our first response as a disciple of Jesus is just to say, yes, Jesus, I will drop everything and follow after you. So that was week one. Week two, we talked about our next step is to begin to transform to his likeness. And, and we define transformation simply as the process of becoming like Jesus. And we also talked about how in order to do the things that Jesus did, we must also first start to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And we talked about how, you know, we really don't discuss the actual lifestyle of Jesus all that much, but we identified really three things. Uh, there's a lot more than that, but we really identified three things that he was marked by. One was a lack of hurry. And the second thing was that he often withdrew to pray, and he withdrew to pray at times where you were like, wait, this is not the moment, Jesus. I mean, we talked about John 6, where people are just ready to make him king, and, you know, this movement's starting, and then they can't find Jesus. He's off praying. And we talked about how uh, he's the most productive person in the history of the world 
and he took time to pray. So what that means is we should flip our thinking around to say, I've got so much going on right now, I can't afford not to stop and pray. And then we talked about how he saw a need, he was filled with compassion, and then he acted. Uh, And so that was the second week. This week we're going to talk about really the final part in our discipleship to Jesus is to train others to do the same. To train others to trail Jesus and to transform to his likeness. And I think that, that this is the area that most of us are like me in thinking, you know, maybe this is just for a select few, right? We think, you know, to train others, this is more for like the advanced Christians or the uh, more outgoing Christians kind of thing, mentality. And, or we think, maybe it's not for me yet, that I'm not far enough yet in my transformation to go and train others. But I want to remind you, remember, to follow a rabbi at that time, it was baked in that you were going to follow, and then ultimately you were going to apprentice. So you wouldn't follow without the understanding that one day that you would apprentice. And this is the model that Jesus has for us in Matthew 4, 18, when he when he calls his very first disciples, it says this. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So notice this theme. He says, first step follow me, and then ultimately, I will send you out to fish for people. And so essentially what that meant at that time is that you would yourself become a teacher. So he says, follow me, follow me around, transform to my likeness, and then go and train others to do the same. And in Matthew 28, after he is resurrected, he says, all right, guys, now it's time. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I want to point out one thing about this. The disciples were not fully transformed at this time. In fact, Peter, who was essentially Jesus' right-hand man, in Galatians 2, this is post-resurrection and ascension, uh, Peter sees the resurrected Jesus, and in Galatians 2, Paul actually opposes Peter to his face for discrimination. He says, You're treating Gentiles one way when Jews are around and a different way when they're not around. So I I only say that to say he was never perfect and we never will be either. And yet Jesus still calls us to go and make disciples. And then he says to Peter, he says, on this rock, on the rock that's going to be messy and you're going to keep getting this thing wrong. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And y'all, I believe that God wants to work in this community. I really believe that God wants to work in this community. And I want to lay out three reasons this morning why I think that we are more than ready right now to go and make disciples. And the first one is just very simply this. We have a power inside of us that changes lives. Now, we talk about the Holy Spirit and and we think, you know, the Holy Spirit reminds us 
that God will never leave us, he'll never forsake us, but also he is defined as a power, an authority, a strength that's inside of us that the world knows nothing about. So the greatest kings of the time, the greatest kings of the future, know nothing of this power that's inside of us. Ephesians 1, 19 through 21 says this. It says, I pray that you will know how great his power is for those who have put their trust in him. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This same power put Christ at God's right side in heaven. This place was given to Christ. It is much greater than any king or leader can have. No one else can have this place of honor and power. No one in this world or in the world to come can have such honor and power. Acts 1.8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So Jesus has resurrected. He's about to ascend. And they're asking really dumb questions again. You know, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus' response is, if you want power, power is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming to you. And in fact, in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit does come on Peter, and he just has this boldness. And sometimes the Bible is really funny because the Holy Spirit comes. It's like 9 in the morning, and people are walking by, and they're like, oh, Peter and his friends are drunk. And he's, he steps out there, and he goes, we're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. All right, we're not drunk. We're, we've got the Holy Spirit in us working, and 3,000 people that day come to know Jesus. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Do we realize that there is power in us? Now, it's not our power. It's not our power. We don't control this power, but we do have access to this power that's inside of us, the Holy Spirit. Um, and it creates in us a boldness. It reminds me of a story. Um, <laughs> this is kind of an embarrassing story, but I'm just going to share it anyway. Um, when Morgan and I were dating in college, we had gotten to the point where we, we knew we were going to marry each other. We loved each other. It was authentic, all that. Everything was going really, really great. We weren't engaged yet, but we knew it was kind of trending that direction. Well, one day she comes to me and she says, Dallas, I don't really like where our relationship's headed. She said, you know, we're not pondering spiritual things together. We're, uh, we're not reading the scriptures. You know, I just don't really like the trajectory of our relationship. And for me, I kind of passed it off because my faith was very cultural in a lot of ways at that time. It was like, you know, I like Jesus and I like football and I like pizza, you know, just kind of mentality. And so I just kind of passed it off. I mean, to me, it was like she was saying, you know, I wish we'd go out to eat a little bit more as a couple, you know, that kind of thing, like, which is important, but not, you know, grand scheme important. So I, I kind of put it off, and then she comes to me again like a week or two later, and she says the same thing. And I'm like, okay, you know, we'll try to do some, you know, logistical things to, to make this happen, but we really didn't grow spiritually. So finally, she comes to me, and she says, it's over. <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, you know, like, it, it wasn't a cop-out in any way. It was, hey, I see the things that I love most side by side. I love Jesus more than anything, and even that thing that's under it that I love so much, if that thing is hindering me from growing in my relationship with Jesus, then i got to say bye to it. And for me, I said, this woman's faith 
is for real. <laughs> to be able to give up something that was so good because that thing that was so good was hindering the thing that was better, man. And in that moment, I realized there is a strength inside of her. There is a power inside of her that I knew nothing about. And so I said, what is that thing? What is that thing? And it was him. It was the Holy Spirit inside of her. His spirit gives us boldness so that we can go into the world and people can say, there's something different about this person. There's something different. And that something different is his spirit in us. Second, <clears throat> there is power in our stories and testimonies. Man, if you've encountered Jesus, if you have followed after him and you've given your life to him, you have something immeasurably powerful to share with people. Y'all, I don't think we realize how powerful our stories are. Are And they could be very simple, too. I know mine is. My story is, I was paralyzed by panic and by pride. I encountered the authority and power and love of Jesus, and now I proclaim the Prince of Peace. That's the power of Jesus, and that's my story. And y'all, I have grown in my maturity some since then, hopefully. I have grown in my theology and all those things, but when you boil it all the way down, all I've got is my story. It's a powerful story. I was on my face, and he picked me up, and he said, my authority is over your panic. And he restored me. That's a powerful story. When I share that, people say, wow, if he can do that for you, what can he do in my life too? And your story may not, you know, appear as dramatic as that. Your story may be like my wife's story, Morgan. Her story was she came to know Jesus when she was four or five years old and has been walking with him ever since and that's a wonderful story that gets me excited and gives me hope because of the stuff that's going on in our kids barn right now and at home with our kids man that God can work in that four and five year old range man that gets me excited our stories are incredible and they have so much impact Revelation 12 11 says this it says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Y'all, you got a story? Share it. Look for opportunities to share it. Dwell in it. And really, what all it has to include is this. What was my life, life like before Jesus? How did he kind of meet me in this space? And how has he kind of transformed me since that time? And the third one, very simply, is this. Uh, there's power in the way that Jesus showed us how to be community. Uh, we have a community around us right here in this room. We have a community around us. And he said, Jesus says in John 13, he says, you know, anything that's going on, whatever it may be, I'm giving you a new command. He says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he says this, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Y'all, we can train people up in the radical way that we love one another. It reminds me in uh, 2016, we had just started uh, Northridge Gray, and we had a life group of nine total people at the time, uh, four couples, and then my oldest daughter, Oakley, and we would just meet every week. We'd meet for dinner, and one 
one night, I couldn't make it. You know, I was really bummed about it. I couldn't make it because I had to get a, uh, a ditch dug for a water line uh, before the next day because somebody was coming in to lay it. So I had to get that done, and Morgan, you know, wanted to go ahead and go on to, to group uh, just like normal and took Oakley and everything, and she, <laughs> she explained to them why I wouldn't be there and what I was doing. And the guys, before they even got dinner, <laughs> got in a truck, grabbed some shovels, came to my house 15 minutes away, and started digging. And what would have taken me three, four hours took us 30 minutes. And then right after 30 minutes, it just started pouring the rain. I mean, I would have never finished this project. And yet they came and did that. And I believe that in 2016, we had about nine people. And I believe that God used this command right here to grow that group to almost 40 people in three years. And I think it was that, that idea of... Don't just love people in a, a good enough way. Love in a radical Jesus brand way that says, I'm going to give up my dinner for manual labor with a shovel on behalf of my brother who's in need. Y'all, that's radical. And I think if we love in this radical Jesus brand way, we'll begin to train people up in their discipleship to Jesus. Y'all, I believe that God still wants to work in this community. Man, I really, really do. And I believe one of two things. I believe that our lukewarm nature towards Jesus could be next generation's outright rebellion to him, but I also believe that our spark of affection and devotion to Jesus could be the next generation's roaring flame for him. You know, I think we can train people up in discipleship. Don't give in to the enemy's lies that, that the culture's too far gone to even invest in. Or to say, this isn't for me, it's for other Christians who do things a little bit differently. Or, uh, I'm not far enough along yet to do this. I think if you have his spirit in you, if you have a story to tell and you got each other, we can train others in their discipleship to Jesus. Well, hard, hard transition. I promised you all that we would eventually get into some specifics of what it looks like in our daily routines to follow after Jesus, to transform to his likeness, and to train others. Because um, if you're like me, you just, I, I just, tell me what to do, right? I mean, you know, we could talk about concepts all that, just tell me what to do. Um, so I, I think there's some ideas that I kind of came up with and some rhythms that I think would be helpful. Um, I think, first of all, s starting your day in silence before the kids get up or before other people in the house get up, start your day in silence. Uh, and not just in any, like, regular silence, but, like, in reorienting our hearts towards the things of Jesus, to just kind of sit and say, all right, here, here are the things going on in my mind. Let me kind of rewire things towards the perspectives that they ought to be, the hierarchy that needs to be restored. Let me just kind of sit in silence and kind of listen to that restoration happening in my heart for the next few minutes. And then if there are anxieties, if there are 
struggles, if there are things, presenting those things to him and, and continuing to present those things in gratitude, in praise. And then if there are people that you care about, man, go to bat for them first thing in the morning to say, God, please work in the hearts of my kids and my spouse and my parents and my siblings, my coworkers, all that. So, so start your day that way and then, and then get into the scriptures. So sometimes that may be, it may be half a verse and you just sit and you just meditate in that half a verse or you may just be devouring scriptures of, you know, five, six, seven chapters, whatever it is, just kind of sit under the weight of the scriptures. Uh, I'd encourage us also, if as you go to work, as you go to school, I think podcasts are great. I love to listen to podcasts. I love to listen to worship music and that kind of stuff too. But I also think taking some time to pray for the people that you're about to encounter, I think is really important. If you have a meeting, pray for the people in that meeting. If you are um, meeting up with some people you don't like, especially pray <laughs> for the people that you don't like. Um, you know, in fact, just the other day I was heading somewhere and I was about halfway there and I said, oh man, they're about to encounter, you know, a couple people and I'm like, oh, I don't really know kind of where we stand. And I said, oh yeah, I need to pray <laughs> for, for this thing. And God worked through that and it was really great. Um, so, and then at work, I think um, continuing to have conversations, ask questions, get to know your people, and then just whatever you do, be able to look at it and say, it's good that it's good, that, you know what, I'm going to do a good job on whatever it is that my job is. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do a good job at it. And then on your way home, I think praying, I mean, you got second shift in a lot of ways. A lot of people are in this, you know, first shift is work, second shift is coming home and being with your kids and, you know, hoping that you don't go crazy on them, right? Um, and a big part of that is, is prayer. God, I need your energy. I'm tired. I've had a long day. It's been a grind. I need your energy in me to love my family well, to love the people around me well. And then when you get home, some helpful practices, I think, are just practicing gratitude of sitting around the table and saying, you know, what, what are you thankful for? And what, what you'll find, too, is that some things you just never even considered come up that you just kind of expected along the way. And so to take a step back in gratitude, I think, is really a really helpful practice. And then um, the last thing I had was just um, repentance at the end of the day. If there are people you've wronged, if there are things that have entered your life that are not of Jesus, just take some time to acknowledge those, not in guilt, not in shame, not in embarrassment, but maybe a conviction of acknowledging those things, if there's somebody that you need to apologize to the next day or, or whatever, you know, taking that step of faith to say, here's where my heart is, here's what I've done, and here's what I need to do next. And then I think once a week, take a Sabbath rest. Man, take, I can't stress it enough. We have neglected this until really the past couple of months, and it does wonders for your soul. Well, first of all, it's a command. <laughs> but secondly, it does wonders for your soul to just slow down a little bit. Take some time away from your phone. Do some things that are life-giving to you. And just, man, just take a, a step away from the regular grind. And spend a little bit more time even just sitting in his presence to be 
restored, to let our minds and our hearts just spiritually be reformed back towards the things of him. So um, one practice that's been helpful for us is Friday at 5 to Saturday at 5, if possible. I mean, I know you sometimes your schedule changes, but it's an old Jewish tradition. So, uh, and we've really just, just worked well with our schedule. Friday at 5 to Saturday at 5. Just take some intentional time away from your phone, slow down, and just be in the presence of Jesus. Worship team is going to come forward. Uh, we're going to enter a time of worship. And I really just want to close the series with this question. What do I need to bring to him during this time of worship? What do I need to bring to him? What's getting in the way of me really dropping everything and following after Jesus? Or, or is there a sin habit that I've just not had a confidence that Jesus can actually work through this, that he can actually break this thing, so I haven't really focused on my sanctification, my transformation, because I just don't feel like he's strong enough to do that? Bring that thing to him today. Or maybe you've felt like, you know, it's not for me. I can't train others. I can't, I just can't do it. I mean, I, you know, I'm an introvert. I, I can't do those things. Maybe you have set boundaries on what he can do in your life in that realm. I want you to bring those things to him during this time of worship. And y'all, I just want to remind you of the God that we have real quick. Jesus took no shortcuts. He came to the earth as a baby to bring good news of great joy for all people. And he brought hope into the world. And he flipped the culture upside down. He said, everybody is welcome to this thing. You're not too far gone. You can be a part of this thing. And then he lived a perfect and holy life that we could never do. And he still takes the punishment that we deserved. He, he, he gets a cross. He carries it up a hill. And he dies a brutal death on our behalf. And then he's buried away, and it's dark. Because if he's the hope of the world, if he's the good news, and he has died, then it's dark. But then on the third day, y'all, he overcame the grave. And if he overcame the grave, then whatever it is that's preventing you from getting to him right now, he's so much bigger than that. So during this time of worship, bring those things to him, and I guarantee you he will work in it. Man, we talked a couple weeks ago about how Jesus loves to work in the biggest messes. Y'all, you may be coming in here today, and you have a grimy, grimy mess that you feel like, I just can't expose it. I can't do that. I can't expose it. It's too much. I can't do it. Watch what he does when you expose it. Y'all come to the altar if you want to, stay in your seat, talk to somebody you trust about what it looks like to take my next step in my relationship with Jesus. Because I'm telling you, if you do, there's freedom that comes. Freedom is on the other side if you just bring to him whatever it is that's getting in your way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the invitation that you continue to bring to us that you, like you allow us just to go to you, like to run to you. Father, that's an incredible invitation. And we just thank you.
that we can do that because Jesus has made a way for us. He's paid the punishment that we deserve. He lived a perfect life on our behalf. And then he demonstrated his authority above it all on the cross. And now we can bring to him whatever those things are that are getting in the way of us having intimacy with you. Father, I pray that you'll convict our hearts where we need it, encourage our hearts where we need it. Father, we thank you that you you allow us to come to you in your presence, in repentance, to bring you glory and praise, whatever it may be this morning that we need to respond. Father, I pray that you'll give us the courage and the boldness to do it. Holy Spirit, please just penetrate this place during this time of worship. And Father, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.